I don't know how many of you have been actually doing this on a regular basis. So today's sermon, I'm going to take you behind the scenes. You good for that? Behind the scenes? Okay, behind the scenes, I'm going to take you through and show you how the Lord speaks to me when I read the lectionary. And in so doing, I hope and I pray that it will actually touch you, motivate you, inspire you to start following the lectionary as well because God speaks in and through it. So if you have your phone, take your camera out. Don't take a picture. Actually, you can take a picture because the link at the bottom works by typing it. But if you scan this and open up the link that you'll see at the bottom of your screen, you will go to, everybody done it? One, two, three. I'll leave it on for a few seconds and I'm going to go to what the link points to. So if I don't see any cameras pointing to the screen, I'll know you're done. <laughs> Those of you online, you can just type in on your browser bit.ly bit.ly slash 2024 underscore capital L-E-C-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y And when you do that, this will open up. It's the Revised Common Lectionary, and you'll notice now we're in year B. Last year we were year A, up until the end of November. And then as we come into the Advent season, the calendar begins afresh. And the calendar begins with the preparation for the coming of the Lord. And it starts off when you go to that page. Every time you go to that page, it will start off with the next event. Not the day, but the next event. So the next event is the Sunday meeting. On special days where there's something midweek, it will go to that. For example, if it's uh, yesterday was the epiphany of the Lord, it will go to that. It won't go to Sunday. So what you have to do for your daily reading is simply scroll down. Scroll down until you get to that section that says daily lectionary readings and when you click that link it will take you through to the daily readings and then you have them listed by name it started off year b with november 30th but we're past november we're past december so if you scroll and you just keep it going and you come to the day and the month of when you we are so today is november sorry november january 7th and it says the baptism of the Lord and if you click that it will take you to the verses okay so if you're following along has somebody been have you guys been following along to, to where we are now so if you click that golden link baptism of the Lord or if you go back to that original page we scanned you'll see that we have four different readings they call them and these are the scriptures that the lectionary people that have prepared it have selected together. Okay? They have put these together. Every day there is a first reading, usually an Old Testament, a psalm, not usually, always, an Old Testament, a psalm, a second reading, which is from the New Testament, and then a gospel, one of the four 
first books of the New Testament. So sometimes it's from the book of Acts, sometimes it's from the books of the history, whether uh, that's the book of Acts in the, in the New Testament, or the letters, or the prophecy, the book of uh, Revelation, right? So today, these are the four segments. So when I'm preparing for Sunday, I read these four segments. And when you're here for Sunday, for example, if you're back at this page, in other words, you're, you've scanned this and it opened up and now you're seeing this, if you click the blue link that says Baptism of the Lord January 7th, it will open up the verses for you. Or you can use it and open up your own Bible. Right? If you click the link for uh, anywhere in this area, all the four readings will come one after the other in a version that they have selected. So when I'm preparing, I spend time reading this word. So I'm, I'm, the reason I'm doing this behind the scenes thing isn't to help you understand me better. It's to help you get a grip of how powerful the Word of God is and how pleased the Spirit is to reveal truth to you in your daily reading. My goal is to help you be prepared for Christ and with Christ so that I can present you to him when he comes back. Oh, wow, look at Tim, Lord. Look how he's grown. Look at Amanda. Look at Vartan. Look what they've done. They've dug in. They've, you know, dug into your word to be changed, to look more like you. For all of us, that's my prayer. But I realize that today's generation, we face challenges that are real, no different than any other generation. And these challenges that today's generation faces And it doesn't matter what, you know, when I say today's generation, I'm not talking about Gen Z or Gen X or Gen Y or millennials. I'm talking about all who are alive today, specifically in Toronto, in North America. But I think these are true all over the globe. We are thirsting for meaning and purpose. The younger people among us are a little bit more passionate about that. The Gen Zs, you know who they are? The Gen Xers are those that were born after the, the, the boomers. I'm one of the boomers. The boomers are the kids that were born in the 50s, early 60s. And then the ones after that are the, 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 uh, the Gen Xers. The millennials are those that were born at the turn of the century. The Gen Zs are the ones that are in their 20s now. And they have a passion for truth. They have a passion for real. They don't want phoniness. And when they look at the church and the church pretends to be the church, that turns them off. But when they see the church be the church, live according to what our message is, they're inspired. They're looking to give their lives to something bigger than their lives. 
So a thirst for meaning and purpose. But our lives are full of pressure and stress. Anybody here have absolutely no stress? You know who has absolutely no stress? There's a place at Young and Beecroft. You know the one? It's called York Cemetery. The people there that are sleeping have no stress anymore. But from the second that a life is conceived, you face stress. There's a challenge against your life. I'm talking even in the womb. There's challenges that every person faces. Birth is a huge challenge. Being a baby is a huge challenge. You have absolutely zero control. As a baby, you have none. And as you continue growing, somehow you develop the idea that you have control. <laughs> but you really don't. You can control very little in relation to everything that's around you. And then as you get older, you realize once again, wow, I really don't have any control. And then you get to the very close to the grave you know, position and you realize, I really have no control. I need help. I need support. I need glasses, dentures, hearing aids, diapers, all of that. Just like you were when you were a little baby. Because in reality, we have very little control. But when we are in the middle of it, the pressures and the stress of our lives are huge. And they have effect. The realities of life have effect. They have effect on our mental health. They have effect on our physical health. And they have effect on our relationships. Now, many factors play into that. Money plays into that. Your health plays into that. Your friends, your enemies, all of that plays into that. But you, we each face a degree of stress in these areas. So when I'm reading, I'm reading to see the patterns of what God is saying in the passage. So today's sermon, if you want a title for it, is this. Renewal by water and spirit. How did I get to that? Well, let's break it down. In the Bible, we recognize that the authors and the Holy Spirit have used symbols frequently because symbols carry so much meaning a symbol can be stretched a symbol can have hidden obscure significance so let's look at some of that and in today's passage uh, we're looking at genesis chapter one which is day one of creation the bible calls it so let's read it together in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless. And desolate emptiness and darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. One day. I think most of us are familiar with this. We've read this probably more than any other passage in Scripture because we have this goal of reading the Bible cover to cover and we start in the first cover and then a few weeks later or days later we sort of give up. And, but we go back to reading Genesis 1-1 again and we all know this. In the beginning God said, let there be light. Right? It sort of resonates. So we might miss what's there. So when I'm preparing, I ask God, speak to me. So what is he going to speak to me? How is he going to speak to me? He speaks to me through the words. So if he's going to use words, I pay attention to the words. So Genesis 1.1 starts off with God. But I'm looking at the actions of God in a passage. I'm looking at what God is doing and what God is saying. And so doing, saying, if God speaks, he said, let there be light. So he spoke. The context is important. Where is the spirit moving? These are some of the things that I look for in a passage. Where is the spirit moving? Well, he tells us here that the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So I'm paying attention to the spirit. I'm paying attention to the waters. That's where he's acting. So God is speaking. God is in the picture. God is shifting things and it's dark. So wow, that might relate to our lives because our lives are under stress and stress is darkness. You know, I told you from the beginning to the end, right? In the womb, it's dark. In the grave, it's dark. So in the, these contexts, I'm looking to see what God is going to do. So as you read in the lectionary, as you read your Bible, I don't care if you're reading with a dictionary or you're just reading your Bible. I just want you reading your Bible. I just want you to be in the Word because that's the only place that you will encounter God week to week. And it's not once every Sunday that you show up here that someone preaches and you touch God. You can't depend on that. That's like fasting, not intermittently, consistently. The Holy Spirit wants to encounter you daily. He wants to have three meals a day with you and a snack here and a snack there and a midnight snack and you get up to go to the washroom at night. He wants to meet you there on the way and he wants to constantly be in contact with you but that happens through his word. So when we read this passage in Genesis, these are some of the things I'm looking for. Where is God? What's he doing? What's he saying? What are some of the words that are around that? What's the result? And how does it affect me? So these are some of the things that I'm constantly, when I'm reading, I'm looking for these things. So I make notes. I have a little chart I've prepared for myself that has reading one, reading two, you know, the, the, the psalm, the uh, 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 reading two, and then the gospel for the, the purpose of the lectionary. And then I put down what the verse actually touches me. What are the things that jump out? You don't need to do that. 
You can have a journal. You don't even need to do that. You can have a paper Bible that you write something on the side. You don't need to do that. You can take the highlight feature of the Bible apps. You can highlight it so that it jumps out you, at you next time you read. You don't even need to do that, but just read it. So when I'm reading this, I'm realizing that this symbolism that I'm seeing reminds me of something else. So I continue reading. Now I'm coming to the second reading. Remember, the first reading was Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Okay, let's continue reading. There's nothing too concrete yet. Like I don't have a message that God is speaking to me as I'm reading this. I see good points, but is God saying something to me actionable? Is God communicating something with me? You know, it's like when you're sitting down for breakfast with someone, and all you do is talk about the weather and the sports and the family, and then you go off. There was nothing actionable from that. But if you go to a meeting, I mean, that's nice. That's just, you know, good fun. But if you go to a meeting at work, and all they do is talk about that, hey, the weather was great today. How was uh, your Christmas? Uh, and, and you walk away. That's not going to move business forward. That's not going to move anything forward. But if we start talking about actionable things, then we recognize, okay, this meeting was good. We made some decisions. We have some things to act on. People know what they're going to do. I want to meet God, sometimes just for the fluffiness of it, just to get familiar with him. Sometimes that familiarity leads me to action, to do something, to change something, to enact something. So let's go to Psalm 29. We're still in the symbolism thing, right? So Psalm 29 is actually talking about one of these symbols. And the symbol is water here. So we saw the Spirit of God hovering over the water. Now what's he saying? He's saying, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. In other words, who? Angels. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is, oh wow, here it comes again. Earlier we saw it was the spirit of the Lord and then the Lord spoke. These guys that pick these passages know what they're doing. They're putting it together so that I can get a message out of it. But there's not just one message. It depends on where you're coming from. You know, the, the prism, anybody familiar with the prism? Depending on the angle of the light hitting the prism, you're going to see angles of light going the other way. Depending on the angle of the light hitting a lens, you're going to see the light going in a different way. The shadow will be cast different over me depending on where the light is. So when the, the word of God hits me, the same word, the same person at different times of my life, it's going to cast a different shadow. So today... It's casting this shadow that I'm seeing these symbols. There's other messages in these four passages. It's not one. But this is the way that, you know, it touches me right now. It could touch you differently. But get in it. Get in the word. The voice of God is over the waters. We saw the waters were hovered over by the Spirit and then God spoke. Now the Spirit is right there. The voice of the Lord is over the water the glory of the God of glory thunders, the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Okay, so the presence of God, 
the waters, there's a connection. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. I don't know if you remember when I was in Lebanon, I took pictures of these cedars. They are, some of them, as wide as this whole stage. They're massive. They're not small cedars. They're not like little trees, you know, twigs. They have enough wood that they took the wood of the cedars. When they cut the trees down, they made wide planks that they used in the construction of the temple. You can make a whole wall with one of these cedars if you slice it up. They're wide that way. But the voice of God is so powerful that it can break them. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oak. One of the strongest trees is the oak tree. He said that you will become oaks of righteousness. In other words, you can be strong in pillars because of what he does in your life. But the voice of the Lord bends those. Have you seen those uh, long, long, very thin, almost like a fishing rod that sits in the waters? You know the ones that have the little hot dog on the top? The cattails are called. Those move very freely. But these are oaks. But the voice of God does that. So when I'm reading this, I'm imagining, okay, the voice of the Lord is expressed to me today through His Word, through other means, but definitely through His Word. That's why I want you to get into the Word. So as it comes in, even the strongest habits in my life, remember we said that the bondages that he has come, that this, we prayed that this communion breaks those things. Yeah, how? By bending the strong things that are strong-willed child characters in us that we don't want to change. I'm too comfortable with these habits of mine. I don't want to change, Lord. Just bless me the way I am. Why do you need to change me? Accept me. I'm, I'm accepted. Yeah, he accepts you. But he wants you to move along in a journey to become looking more like Christ in character and behavior and thinking. Why? Because we are bombarded with stresses from the time we are conceived to the time we breathe our last. He wants to come in and wash over that area of your life that is causing so much stress to you that it's affecting you physically, emotionally, mentally. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The waters again. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with... Oh wait. I'm thinking about my life. I'm thinking about your life. I'm thinking about what I'm going to get out of these words of these verses that can be transformational. The Lord blesses his people with peace. In other words, we can have peace from womb all the days of our lives until the tomb. 
we don't need to wait for them to write a little stone or carve into a stone and put it on top of us. Rest in peace. Live in peace. Live in rest. Live every day full of his rest. So there's a prophecy here. We come to the next scripture. And as I'm reading this, and initially when you start reading the Bible, you don't have much in terms of background. You haven't built up a bank, a reserve of memory that you've read things and you remember things. But I remembered this prophecy when I started to read about the spirit and the water. In Isaiah... The prophet Isaiah prophesies this. He says, for I will pour water on the thirsty land. Are you thirsty? Or are you already full? If you're already full, when you know, they pour water over you, nothing absorbs. It just fly, you know, flows over. If you're not thirsty here today, whatever I say is just going to wash right over before you leave the building even. It's going to, you know, you shake your, you know, like a dog, the water doesn't get absorbed. They shake their body and psh, psh, water goes everywhere and they continue going on. But if you're thirsty, like a sponge, it absorbs. The streams of the dry ground and streams on the dry ground, I will pour out. Oh, so there's a connection. There's a connection between the word water and the word spirit. What's the connection? So now my mind is going, my spirit is alive as I'm reading these things. The Lord is reminding me of what I've already packed in there over the years. And you will build that database. You will build that memory grid. You will build as you read, but you have to read. You know why? Because like a baby, you get weaned. The baby doesn't know what olives taste like. And who would give a baby an olive? You start off a baby with just milk. Ideally, mother's milk. And then, you know, as things change, you introduce cow's milk or oat milk or whatever other milk. And then you want to introduce some cereals, very bland. You don't want to give them hot sauce. But you're helping them develop and build a database of flavors, right? I don't like broccoli. Okay, well, you haven't tried it. It looks awful. What about mushrooms? Ooh. But you need to develop the bank of memory, of taste. It's the same with the Word of God. As you absorb it, as you become familiar with it, He now has the privilege to call upon that little memory cell. Hey, this is different. This is donkey meat. Have you ever tried donkey meat? No, this looks awful. Try it. It tastes like chicken. I don't know how God is going to use a verse, but he's going to remind you that way. He's going to pull on the things that are in the memory bank and connect them like he did for me here when I remembered Isaiah 43 that he has connected water and spirit because he made a promise. It's a prophecy. And then I'm looking at the, the water cleansing and renewing the heart and I continue reading and I'm remembering that there's a promise, another promise here in Ezekiel. Ezekiel prophesied and he said that I will sprinkle clean water on you. Which means that there is somebody else sprinkling dirty water on me. 
water is absorbable. So what am I absorbing? And you will be clean when I sprinkle you with clean water. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. The Lord is just pulling these things out of my memory bank. But it's okay if you don't have them. He will find another way to connect it to you. Remember I told you it doesn't matter what day it is. The light is coming down and the shadow is going to be different when the sun is on me at from you know, 12 o'clock at noon. I'm not going to see too much shadow. At 1 o'clock I'm going to see a small shadow. At 2 I'm going to see another one. At 6 in the morning I saw a long shadow. At 6 at night, I'm going to see another shadow along in the different direction. But it's the same sun, it's the same me, and the verses that you read are going to be the same, and he's going to touch you in different ways at different times. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, oh, wow, there's that symbolism again of washing with water and the Holy Spirit, and there's a connection between the two. And I will put my spirit in you, move you to follow my decrees. And this is a prophecy. Right? He's saying he's going to do these things. And there's a promise in it. That as he does these things, he will move me to follow my decrees. He will, you know, move me to follow my decrees, move you to follow my decrees. What does it mean? It doesn't mean I'm going to make you in bondage to follow my decrees. But I'm going to woo you. I'm going to excite you to be wanting to follow my decrees. And to be careful to keep my laws. This is getting exciting. So all these prophecies that I remembered. All of a sudden as I'm continuing reading, I realize that these prophecies are getting fulfilled. In the passages that we're reading. So how do they get fulfilled? Well, in the first case, today's day is called Jesus' baptism. Remember? Well, in the scripture we see that. And where do we see that? We see that in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to 11. So as John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, don't disconnect it. What is baptism? We have a tank here. We fill with what? Lemon juice? Olive oil, <laughs> water. There is the theme. There's a symbolism. As Jesus, uh, sorry, as John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sin. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So, who are we seeing here? We're seeing Jewish people listening to a Jewish man call them to repentance and come back to the covenant and they are realizing their sinfulness in relation to God and the standards God declared in the covenant. But they weren't just standard, they were promises to be moved to live by. Okay? So the commandments are promises that we will live by. Yes, they're commandments, but they're also when we are walking with the Lord and His washing happens, His Spirit moves in us, we will be able to do these things. That's a promise. John was clothed, uh, wore clothing made of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this is 
This was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. Wow, that symbolism again. But he bapt will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There is the connection. We're seeing the baptism. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John. Just as, the, as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending. In the beginning, the Spirit hovered over the waters. In the baptism, Jesus is still coming out of the water wet. And the Spirit is now coming, descending on him like a dove. Another translation says alighting. In other words, hovering. So it's the same picture. You are my son. A voice came from heaven. And there's a voice again. There was a voice in the beginning. Let there be light. So he's now, could this be the light? Could this be what God was talking about when he said let there be light in Genesis 1? Could it be fulfilled in Mark here, as we're reading in Mark 1, could it be that when God said, let there be light, he had something else in mind than just the light that became day? This is, you are my son whom I loved. With you I am well pleased. The light is shining now. Prophecy is becoming fulfilled. So I continue reading, and I'm reminded of John chapter 3, where John is talking to Nicodemus. Because I saw Jesus coming out of water. And by the way, when we're born, we all come out of water. We're waiting for that moment where the pregnant woman, the expecting woman, her water what? Breaks. And we know that that's a sign. So we're all born of water. So Jesus in John chapter 3 tells us the how of this whole thing. How this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And he tells Nicodemus, he says to him, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. So we need both. But there's a symbolism that's going on through the thread of these passages that links water to not just being born physically, but links water to something else. Jesus was baptized, not because he needed to, he wasn't sinful, but it was something else. So, but we see this was happening with the Jews. They were going and getting baptized. But we see that this is now happening even with the Gentiles. The Gentiles are being transformed. And in Acts 18, one of the verses in our passage, sorry, I think it's Acts 19. Am I correct? Somebody check the... Yeah, Acts 19, thank you. We see in Acts 19... We see the Holy Spirit baptism. 19. I told you. Acts 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciple and asked them, some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No. 
We haven't even heard that there was, there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, that's Apollos, by the way, Paul. Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Why, John's baptism, of course, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down. So you understand what's happening in this picture. John the, Bapt uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking with some Gentiles who had been baptized, but they had only been baptized in the repent message of Paul, uh, John the Baptist, who was promising the one to come. But now the one who came, came, Jesus. And he has told his disciples to go baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So he's asking them, what baptism did you get? They said, John's baptism. He says, okay, Jesus has come already. So they said, okay, we believe in that. He says, okay, come get baptized. So he takes them into the water, baptizes them. And when Paul places his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So they're coming out of water, just like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came on them, just like Jesus. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There was about 12 men in all. So this is not just a Jewish thing. This is a global thing because these were in Corinth. Corinth was outside of Israel. It was in the Roman Empire. It was in Greece. It was outside, it was around the bend on the Mediterranean, on the, on the north side of the Mediterranean. Then I remembered Titus. Titus also explains the how. When he says, he saves us not because of righteous things we've done. So I can't get myself ready for him to fill me with his spirit. I can't make myself worthy, but because of his mercy. He saves us through the washing of rebirth, unless you're born again, of water and of spirit through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Spirit, whom he poured on us generously. Through So this is the how, guys. So if you're facing challenges in your life and you're coming to reality because of the stresses that you're feeling and you're feeling you have no purpose, welcome to this generation. The answer to this generation is no different than the answer to that generation. That generation was oppressed physically. The Romans were choking Israel. That generation was oppressed outside of Israel, the Gentiles. No different. The same sin, the same state, the same brokenness. But there's an invitation. And this invitation, in Revelation 21, I remembered again the Spirit. But the Spirit is not just saying things on His own. The Spirit and the Bride say come. You know who the Bride is? The church. The Spirit is hovering over the water, inviting and bringing people, but He's using the church, which is the body of Christ on the earth right now, you and me. He's using us to touch the lives of people who are under distress, who are looking for something, who are thirsty ground ready to absorb. 
but they won't hear until we go. And he says here, the church, the spirit, and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Not only they come, but also they say, come. Not only you're coming or to hear me say, come, but you're also part of it. You're also saying, come. The one who is thirsty, not the one who is so full that the water will not go in, run off. But the one who is thirsty, and that's every one of us, but sometimes we just are so unaware of it. You know who can't drink? The one whose throat is closed. They need help. The one who's drunk so much garbage that they're overflowing. The one who has been drinking, you know, alcohol, let's say, so much that they can't keep it in anymore. Their body rejects it and they vomit it out. What do they need at that point? They're dehydrating. What do they need? Water. Who's going to be there to catch them? The spirit and the bride. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. That's the invitation. So again, today's generation, thirsty for meaning and purpose, lives full of pressures and stress, mental distress, physical distress, relational distress, all of that is yours and mine. We're not exempt from it because we are Christians. We're not exempt from seeing it because now we are Christians and we only huddle around the church backyard. We're in the middle of it. We face it. We feel it. We experience it. Don't kid yourself. But his invitation is drink his water to be refreshed. So when I read these four passages and my mind is taken to these verses by the Spirit, this is what touches me. That there is a refreshing that's coming. And that's my message to you today. It's not just the back, behind the scenes story. It's really the message. That there's a water of refreshing that's being offered to you. The Spirit and the Bride are saying, Come, let whoever is thirsty drink. And be cleansed by his water. Be filled and be baptized by the Spirit. Those Gentiles that were baptized when Paul put their hand, his hand on them, they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with other tongues. And they prophesied. We need that. When you don't have a database to draw on from the Word, you need to be able to hear the voice of God so that you can speak His Word and prophesy it. More than ever. And he's not done with prophecy. You know, sometimes we say, okay, now that we have the Bible, we don't need prophecy anymore. He wants to speak through us today in reality. Those that were at uh, Hootie's and, and uh, heard Cassia's testimony uh, on Wednesday heard how when they were going to different places, the Spirit walked with them and spoke through them and touched lives and be empowered for a life of purpose. So the invitation stands. The message is clear. From the beginning, the Holy Spirit was hovering, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And it's not just a quiet hovering. We, are, we, we heard, it thunders. His voice thunders. Thunder is heard outside the house and inside the house. Thunder is not only heard, but it's also felt. 
He will move with power. And it will penetrate. The water will cleanse. The spirit will cleanse. So the invitation is this. Come. Come to him today. Come receive from him what he has. Come get filled with him today. So I invite you to stand. And close your eyes. On this first Sunday. Will you make a decision today? And act on it. Actionable, right? Have you encountered God? Have you heard his voice through this conversation here today? Has he been speaking with you through how I've gone through what I've gone through to prepare? That could be yours. It doesn't have to be every Sunday you come and listen to a sermon from somebody up here. But that could be yours every day. Multiple times a day. Every time you open the word. But you have to open it. You have to get into it. So if the Spirit is talking to you today, and you hear the words, Come, my child. Come, my son. Come, my daughter. Just as you are, where you are. All our eyes are closed, so nobody's watching you. I, my eyes are open. I'm watching all of you. Not to criticize and not to judge. But if the Spirit is touching you and you want to respond, just as a physical act of response, if you just want to lift up your hand, your right hand, and just say to him, yes, I, I'm coming. I'm coming. I want to be filled by you. I want to receive what you have. I want to change from where I am in this distressed life. Grant me your peace. Holy Spirit, come. Not only is the Spirit saying and the church is saying to you, come, but you can respond and say to him, come. Come, Holy Spirit. As Paul laid hands on these Gentiles and they prophesied and spoke in tongues, I say, come, Holy Spirit, touch the lives of all of those who have raised their hands here today, even those who haven't. Come and fall down upon us. Transform us. Change us. Cleanse us. Purify us. Fill us. Baptize us. That your spirit would empower us to be the bride that will act with you and say with you, come to this generation. To bring freedom, to bring change, to bring transformation, to bring empowerment, to bring your presence upon the waters of the deep of some lives that are so deep with pain all around us that we can be your spirit in action on this world. We praise you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark this day. In your heart, mark it. If you have your Bible, you want to put it in. If you want to put it on your calendar, mark it and remember it and go back to it and open up your word. Use whatever method you want to read the Bible. I don't care if you have a reading plan, you want to use the lectionary. This is just something that's standard that we can all fall with and it's slow enough that we can do it over three years. That's how long the lectionary readings are. So as you leave and as we leave this place, he doesn't just visit here and leaves us behind and we go without. But he empowers us by living in us and covering us and walking with us. So go with the presence of God wherever you go. 
and may his peace carry you, fill you, empower you. In Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week. We'll see some of you in small groups. The rest we'll see here Sunday. And thank you for those who have joined us online. God bless you all.